This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. It's here. You've been waiting all winter. Our Masters preview has arrived. And Nick, we had to bring in a special guest to share his thoughts, his picks. It's Mike Gottfried, CEO of Piper Golf. Mike, hello. How are you? I'm good. It's good to be back. It's good to talk to you guys again. It's been, I think, about a year, uh, a crazy year in golf since we spoke. So plenty to cover, but thanks for having me back. Indeed. Thanks Nick, do back. you want to ask him right away? Let's just let's just get it out of the way. I know why Nick wants you here. He has a very specific question to ask you. Uh-oh. I just want to know something about pickleball. Like, I know nothing about pickleball. How does the founder of a golf ball company say like we're 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 doing pickleball why is there a crossover between golf, golf and pickleball how does that happen tell me something about pickleball <laughs> well the background on that so you know we've got piper golf uh as our you know sort of flagship golf brand um and then we've launched pickle spelled pckl uh as a second brand that we are operating with uh with our same team here in atlanta so to answer your question, Nick, the, the simplest and easiest answer is it's me. I started Piper with me and my friends in mind, and I started Pickle with me and my friends in mind. Um, you know, this is a game that not many people knew going into the year 2020 and then coming out of COVID, all of a sudden it's the fastest growing sport in America. Um, I will, golf will always have the, the, the hole in the center of my heart, but pickleball has kind of like, become this thing that is like fast to play. I can get people out there. I can get some exercise. I can sweat. I can do it at night. So I don't have to take away time from my wife and kids. Um, and, uh, and still get some competition, some exercise and some fun. Uh, it is really, really fun. Um, so yeah, the, the simple answer is like, we're all about building companies and, and, and products that connect with people and connect with communities and, build communities around the games and the sports that we love. And so uh, saw the wave coming. I didn't realize quite the tidal wave it would be with pickleball. And, uh, and we jumped on board. Yeah. Awesome. Great timing between the golf ball company with the pandemic and now pickleball, which is just absolutely exploding. I would assume everywhere, but certainly in the Pacific Northwest, it's the courts are popping up everywhere. Yeah. Down here in Atlanta too. Um, There's a huge, huge tennis hub in Atlanta and uh, you know, there's, the tennis people and the pickleball people, they're kind of at odds and I don't know if they like each other or whatever, but like there's courts, the weather's turning really great here uh, through March. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun sort of summer for pickleball. And I know Nick up in the Northeast, you're about to, to have that tidal wave crash upon you too, whether you're ready for it or not. I think I've got a pretty good shelter built around uh, the, the social tidal waves. Well, that, you know, something else I just thought of, which kind of ties it back to what we're, we're talking about today, but like, you know, professional pickleball is really sort of in its infancy, but you know, a lot of the, the golf guys are are jumping on board with pickleball too. I'd say the best televised pickleball thing I've seen yet was when Spieth and Scheffler played against Dirk and uh, um, the, the very tall tennis player whose name I can't think of. But anyway, um, you know, if you've been to a golf club, the likelihood that there's a tennis court, which now may be yeah. a pickleball court nearby, is is pretty high. And, I think that the crossover there with the the end users are are uh, are pretty strong as well. 
Adapt or die. I love it, Mike. Well, that's very exciting. The summer is for pickleball. The spring is for the Masters, and that's why you are here. Before we get to it, a couple of administrative notes. First, rate and review the podcast, please. Leave us your review. Give us five stars. Say how much you love pickleball, fastest growing sport in America, how much you love Piper Golf. And also let us know how many greens in regulation Nick Heidelberger is going to hit in the months of March and April combined. It is now time for the GER Report. Nick, how many greens have you hit so far, buddy? Joe, I, I, I'm pretty excited. We're getting close to double digits. Uh, one or two more rounds before I hit double digits. I'm up to eight in uh, four rounds. If you're doing math at home, that is two greens in regulation per round. Right on one pace. per every nine holes. Joe put me at 19 greens in regulation in March and April. I, I, I'm going to be, I could be at 10 by the time the calendar turns to April. I could be running a little bit ahead of the pace. Wow. Um and, and, and man, there is so much room for improvement. Um, it's not even funny. So the sky's the limit on this thing, man. I can see how excited Mike is for you. Just <laughs> genuinely. Yeah. It's, um, it's mean, so, my, my, my approach game and my, my golf game is so bad. It's, it is, it's, it's, it's like equal parts funny and sad. It's an Arnold Palmer of, of funny and sad. <laughs> you, you were so encouraged in the winter in your garage, and now they're actually I still amongst the trees and grass. No, I, I'm still okay. encouraged. It's just, yeah. It's, posting, it's, I mean, look, posting has just begun. It's Monday, April 3rd, if you're listening to this when it released, Masters Week. So Nick can officially post. It's very exciting. And something I want to tell everybody, if you're in the Northeast, if you're in Atlanta, where Mike is, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, folks, it is incumbent upon you to call the golf courses prior to making your tea time because I tried to make a tea time for later today and I was rejected by not one, two, but three courses because they've punched. It's punching season. The last thing you want to do is get out to the golf course and have them tell you that they've punched the greens. Mike, you look perplexed at this statement. What's going on down there in Atlanta? <laughs> we tend to punch like mid summer when it's like at its absolute hottest point. I think uh, oh, the, wow. the course I play at punches like July 5th because they know everybody's going to play July 4th. And they're like, it's so hot here in, in the middle of the summer in Atlanta. No one's playing anyway, which maybe is like a complaint minimizer um, as opposed to like an actual maintenance tactic. But sure, um, I would be uh, annoyed, pissed off, furious. Yeah, if, exactly. Like, this, this is the time of year where golf comes back alive. Masters week is it, man. Everybody's getting golf fever like now. That's exactly right. And we have it as well. Just, I have I have just, just punch. You, Joe. Oh, you okay. Told to, you told me to call. I just I did. I just hung up the phone with Highland Links, where you? you and I have a tea time scheduled for this specific reason to to ask if they punched. Also to to rearrange our tea time. I I booked sure. it rather hastily after a really excited uh, podcast recording, um, and now we, I may have booked it for the wrong day. They're not answering. I can't get a hold of anybody at Highland Links. Okay. I can't change the tea time. I can't find out if. If they punch the greens, I'm going to keep trying, but um, I've already had had to make them fulfill one request for me. And now they're just screening my calls and emails and uh, I, I, I'll keep trying. Well, we may have just to just like show up. Game, it's bad, but I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> yeah, I like it. You got to You got to stick with it. Well, the reason the reason we are here is to discuss the 2023 Masters tournament. And I don't want to spend too much time in this first point, but it seems to be the big thing going into it. The course, the par 513, known as Azalea, is going to play at 545 yards, an increase of 35 yards from its prior length 
of 510. This is the first par five on the back where the guys, if you're righties, have to rip a hook around the corner to leave themselves a short iron in. If you're a lefty, you get that big banana ball out there like Nikki does, hit it, just a big <laughs> swooping wipey fade into the fairway, and then you have a nice eight iron in. Uh, but they're moving it back. And a lot of the guys like Scotty Scheffler doesn't really seem to care. He's like, all right, well, I'll just hit a three wood now instead of a driver. Um, and a, a lot of the big hitters, it seems like, are just like, well, this isn't going to affect me because if I used to hit the ball straight, I had to hit it into the pine straw and then it was a problem. But now if I hit it straight, I'm still on the fairway and I may have a hang and lie, but I got a chance to get it to the green. Mike, what do you think about this change? You know, the one thing that I took away, I've been to Augusta twice now, that place is way hillier and the slopes are way more pronounced than you realize in person. And so one of the things I would think about is like, yeah, you're not going to hit it in the pine straw, but that fairway is actually like a cliff off to the left. Right. And so some of these guys actually may end up on the left side, which gives them a much harder shot into the green. It'll be interesting to see. I think I just tend to put faith in the people who run the Augusta national golf club, that they know what they're doing. Um, Maybe that's blind faith and and misplaced faith, but um, you know, I, I'm interested to see it. I love the risk reward of going for the green on a par five. And I think that's one of the, you know, hopefully going to provide some drama on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to provide more risk to the risk reward. I mean, people are hitting eight irons, nine irons, pitching wedge, you know, if you hit a, if you hit a decent drive, it, it's, it's really a par four. I mean, not to, not to be all Bryson out here, yeah, but, gonna, um, you know, par 67. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but really, I mean, just to, just to have them, number one, it'll look different than they've ever seen it before. So even the guys come back for the 15th time, we'll, we'll have some adjustment, you know, it'll kind of throw a wrench in their yardage book that that's accumulated information through the years. And it's like to see them, it might bring that Creek into play a little bit more. If you're hitting all of a sudden a, a six or a five iron and the, the pin is, is near the water, like, and you're, you're trying to make a three, you've got to go for it. Like that shot becomes way more exciting than, than an eight or nine iron. I think too, like the drama of even potentially laying up to the Creek and getting up and down for birdie is more dramatic than hitting it on in two and two putting tapping in for birdie. Right. So I think that maybe for us on our couches, watching on TV, there'll be a little more drama in that decision-making for some of the guys to, to lay it up short, but also have a potentially gettable up and down. Yeah. Well, in addition to it being like the first thing on the calendar that marks the start of golf season, the reason the masters is so great because of all the opportunities to make a bunch of birdies or big numbers on the back nine. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects the dynamic of it. We are going to get to our picks a little bit later on in the podcast, but I thought a fun way to preview this year's masters would be to come up with a question that we all have going in to this year's tournament. And I think we're going to start, Nick, because we have a guest there in the living room today, Mike Gottfried. Mike, you want to start with your question? Yeah. Uh, my question is to you guys, is it is it good for golf or is it bad for golf if we end up with a live versus PGA Tour marquee matchup at some point in this tournament? I mean, if you get like, for example, you get Rory and... I don't know, Phil for some reason, or you get, you know, uh, Scheffler versus, you know, Cam Smith again. Is that good for golf or is that bad for golf? Is that a positive or is that a distraction? Nick, you want to take this first? It's so good. It's so good. Like how would Rory versus Phil on a Sunday of the masters or Cam Smith versus Scotty Scheffler or DJ versus, you know, Justin Thomas. I mean, like there could be so many, like good 
storylines and I would, I matchups, I should say. And I think that would make so many more casual golf fans who just turn it on to hear the birds chirping actually care. Like, no, screw this guy. Screw HV3. He just took the money. He's, I don't think he's even in the masters, but like, you know, now <laughs> you're rooting for, now you're rooting for Webb Simpson, like that much harder because you, you despise the guy he's going against. Like that's going to make the, this relates to my question. So I'll save some of this, but it's going to make the viewing much more exciting in my opinion, because you'll, you'll root for people who normally you just were indifferent about. I'll take it um, another way. I think it's a pretty big moment for Liv if they don't have anybody in contention. Like if say DJ Brooks, Cam, all the big names from Liv don't even sniff the leaderboard. I think that's rough because they're all going to be wearing their high flyers, their fireballs, their four aces gear. They're going to be geared up at Augusta National. There's nothing we can do about it. They're going to be wearing that stuff and it's going to be hilarious. And I think you, if you have the dynamic of like Joaquin Neiman and Rory McIlroy in the final group on Sunday, there's no way CBS and everyone has talked about how we're not going to make this a big thing. Scott Van Pelt is doing like a two hour preview show on ESPN on Thursday, Friday, because ESPN has the coverage those, those days. And they said, we're not going to focus on it. It's just about the guy who slips on the green jacket. It's going to be impossible not to talk about it because they're going to be wearing the gear. And I think if you have middle of the road performances, say you get, you know, Cam Smith finishes in the top five and, you know, Brooks maybe sneaks the top 10, then it, okay, maybe it doesn't become a huge story. But if you have everyone bomb out and not play well, or if you have a guy contend for the green jacket, then it becomes a good story. To answer your question, Mike, I think it's good for the game at this point. Live is the new reality that we live in. I know there's a lot of stories, no pun intended. I know there's a lot of stories that perhaps it's doing pretty bad and guys, maybe you're backing out and that'll remains to be seen and that'll develop very quickly, I think. But as of right now, I think it's good for the game that these guys are playing in the tournament because if they were excluded from it, I think it would be a lot worse. I agree. I think, you know, for better, or for worse, it's for, it's about viewership and entertainment for us. And if there's a repeat of last year and you get that Scheffler Cam Smith final group where they're essentially playing match play for the masters, like it's already must watch, but now it's like must watch every second and have the volume turned all the way up because it's going to be electric. Can, can we imagine just for a second, a Keegan Bradley, Bubba Watson final pairing? <laughs> Is that your question? Just just, <laughs> <laughs> just CBS's dream to have Keegan Bradley in the final group of, I know. of like, the Masters. That would make so many people who hate Keegan Bradley love Keegan Bradley. That That's kind of my point there is, is like that would be a good thing. More people got to love Keegan Bradley. I get it. What's your, what, what is with Keegan Bradley? He's, He's just not going to win the Masters. Keegan Bradley's going to the Masters. He's not going to win the Masters. Are, are, are you he might. previewing your pick? Oh, okay. I can see the look no. on your face. He's one of your picks. I can tell already. Nick, you said your question was tangentially related to this. My question is, will the live narrative be cleansed from the broadcast? Like, I know it'll be very heavy in the media. The golf reporters, golf.com and the golf digest will, will sensationalize the headlines. But I, I suspect that the live narrative during the broadcast will be cleansed. Like, I'm just picturing like Taylor Gooch in like third place and two strokes off the lead. And like, 
not showing a single shot of him, not getting a single mention, and just kind of like he'll pop up and you'll see the leaderboard, and you're like, oh, I've been seeing Hideki, who's like eight strokes out, eight strokes out, and like whatever in 12th place but oh i didn't know taylor gooch was just made eagle on 15 and now he's like you know you'll, you'll never see him so i'm just curious if they will like give an equal share of the coverage during the live broadcast to the live guys i suspect that they won't i think they're gonna clean cleanse it out and just show the guys who aren't live like dustin johnson's in fourth place um you know what maybe we're just gonna show somebody else instead I think it, it depends on the alternatives, right? There's a few stories that will inevitably get talked about and could potentially dwarf it if they play out. One, if Tiger plays well, that kills every other story possible. Um, so if, if you've got Tiger contending for the cut, making the cut, or, you know, God forbid, hanging around on Sunday, right? That's oh the story oh and the only story. Um and then if you've got some of these top 10, I mean, look, the, the field is loaded. I think golf is as good at the top as it's been in a while. And you've got so many realistic contenders that there's plenty of stories. If it's Rom and if it's Homa and if it's Scheffler and, you know, you've got the, the list goes on. These guys create the story. They've been getting a ton of attention. You had, you know, a few of these guys even featured on the, the Netflix show, which I think will be a story kind of playing out some of these folks that people now feel like they know even better. The only way it becomes a thing is one, what we talked about before, if you've got a marquee final pairing where it's essentially one-on-one -on -one match play for the green jacket, or two, if you've got some of these guys, live guys in the top five, top 10, and the guys from PGA Tour who are in the top five and top 10 are not the marquee guys. So if you've got, you know, sort of a, whatever, you know, Tom Hoagie's leading and, and then you've got DJ and, and Cam Smith in second and third, it's unavoidable. You're going to have to talk about it. I think that's right. I don't think they're going to talk about the politics behind Liv in any situation because Augusta does not want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. They just don't even want to be close to it. But to Mike's point, if you have a boring leader, sorry, Tom, we're going to use you as the example. If you have Tom Hoagie leading and you have Brooks Kepka playing in the final group with him, Guess who CBS is going to be more interested in focusing on? They're going to show Brooks's fiance, to your point, Mike, who was, you know, in full swing, in full swing. That was yeah. a big story <laughs> in that show. And he's going to be the focus if DJ is in there. Liv has some sexy names. And if the PGA guys have some boring names in there, I know Scotty's number one in the world, but he is 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 as white bread as it comes. So if you have someone like a Scotty and a Brooks in the final group, they're going to focus on Brooks just as much as Scotty Scheffler. I I think it's unavoidable either way. And and real quick, Nick, what I, what what I really hope happen is if it does get sanitized, Vern Lundquist, they got old Vern in the 16th tower again. If they avoid it all week, I know Vern is going to say something if they go to Sergio and he makes an ace wearing like his fireball shirt. I'm dreaming <laughs> of that scenario right now. Vern Vern saying something that he shouldn't because he doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Um, I know you were just throwing out two random names, but you mentioned Scotty and Brooks in the final group. And I would just love to see the memes of Brooks being like, I don't even know who won the Masters. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Scotty Scheffler won. No. <laughs> <laughs> For the 24 hours leading up to that to that final pairing. I digress, Joe. Um, what's your question? Well, uh, Mike alluded to it. What does a successful Masters look like for Tiger Woods? For if 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 you're Tiger Woods going into this tournament, what does a successful Masters look like? Nick, why don't you kick it off? 
Um, four rounds, like entering the scoring area four times, like not just making the cut, but then also playing Saturday and Sunday. That's it. Just, just, just getting through four days, making the cut, getting through I mean, Sunday. Yeah. Other than like posting a score in the eighties over the weekend, like just four respectable rounds. I mean, like making the cut and then like, you know, not, not, not DFL over the weekend. You know I mean? I think obviously he, he tends to regress as the week progresses because his body breaks down. Right. And that's just a lot of, it's a lot of stress to put it through. So if he can just get through, you know, make the cut 73, 75 on the weekend, see you later. That's great. Mike? Yeah. I, I think more subjective. Yes. You want to see him make the cut. And I think that's obviously sort of success or failure for him from a golf standpoint, but when you come out of the tournament, if we're talking about something other than his health, other than what's, you know, when are we going to see him next? If we're talking about his golf game, that is success. I think what we've been missing in this most recent Tiger return is not having the the story or the narrative be he's still injured. He's limping. God, it looks hard. It's hard to watch him walking up the hill to the green on number nine, you know? Um, so I want to see us talking about his golf game and his scoring and his ability to actually play rather than is he hurt? Is he not hurt? You know, what's the status? Boy, he, he reeled me in at Riviera guys. I watched a lot of him playing and I'm telling you, if he, if he putt a little bit better, um, he, he legitimately would have contended like top 10 contended in that tournament. He hit the driver. Well, um, I know Riviera isn't the golf course that Augusta is in terms of the peaks and valleys. There's a little bit of slope, but it's not the extreme version that Augusta is. So I'm going a little bit third eye, and I say I'm going to be disappointed if Tiger doesn't finish in the top 25. I really, R- Riviera gave me a lot to be excited about. I think top 25 or bust for Tigre. I, I think he can do it. I mean, there's nobody in the world who knows this place better and is more prepared for this tournament with a lifetime of work than, than Tiger. It's the chipping. I mean, last year, that that's what was so tough to watch because he had that great first round last year, and then he four-putt a couple times, which I can relate to. I mean, <laughs> Glendevere Glen, Glen down the road, those are pretty severe slopes, so I totally understand what he's going through. Um, but, you know, if, if the short game can stay together, he's hitting the driver great. I think he's got enough with the irons. It's weird to say because this was the strength when he was in his prime, you know, 20, 25 years ago. He never missed a putt that he had to make. And now it's like, is Tiger going to make this six footer? That's that's the part of the career that he's in right now. And if he can make a couple of those early, get that confidence going over the weekend. I think he can sneak out a top 20, Nikki. Yeah, I, I would totally um, take the the other side of that. I, I don't I don't see that happening. It would be awesome. Betting against Tiger. Wow. Yeah, I, I've said here for years I wouldn't do it. Yeah. but. I would, um, in this case, bet against Tiger finishing in the top 20. I just think that 72 holes walking uh, that course is is too tall of a task. Well, let's make our Tiger predictions right now before we get to our actual picks. I say Tiger finishes top 30. I'll be, I'll be excited if he gets in the top 20. I will take top 25. Um, I think he makes the cut. I think he's top 25. I will say a made Nick. cut outside of the top 30. Okay. Okay. Made made cut. I thought you were going to say like he'll play nine holes and withdraw or something like that. Please <laughs> no. no. <laughs> okay. You're so pro Nick on this on this podcast or pro Tiger Nick. I'm I'm surprised. I mean, it's 
I'm still pro Tiger. Like I, I want to be wrong, but if I'm, sure. if I'm telling you, if I'm giving you betting advice, I wouldn't say take Tiger in the top 20. Uh, sure. It doesn't seem like good advice. Okay. Why don't we take a very brief break, come back, and then we'll tell you who's going to win the 2023 Masters. Okay, so here's how we do it. We start with a dark horse, we pick a contender, and then we have our winner. Mike, you're our guest. We'll ping pong. Let's start with your dark horse. Yeah, as usual, I'm picking with my heart and not with my brain on this, so bear with me. Um, My dark horse, and I'm fairly certain he's in the field. This would be really embarrassing if he wasn't. I've Uh, done it before, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But my dark horse is going to be Min Woo Lee. Uh, that guy won me over at the players, uh, the, the look, the mustache, the mock turtle, the, the Oakleys, the, the mullet, um, the guy's just good for golf. He looks like he's, I don't know, 130 pounds soaking wet and hits the crap out of the ball. Uh, I love watching him play. I hope he shows up and plays well so he can become one of the better known guys on tour, because I think he's good for the PGA tour and good for television. So I'm taking taking Minwoo with my dark horse pick. Um, he is in the field. He 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 is in the field. He is at seventy to one on DraftKings right now. I I absolutely love that pick, considering he kind of stumbled a little bit in the final round of the players, but then fought back and had a good finish. Yeah. That could have turned into an eighty four real quick, and it didn't. Well, he came out hot too, which yep. is actually probably the hardest part. There is so much. I, can only imagine how much adrenaline there is running through your body being in the last group on Sunday of a the next thing closest to a major and playing against the number one player in the world, or maybe he was number two at that moment. But um, he showed up for a second. He had that horrendous triple one, I think number three or four. Yeah. And, and, but then he bounced back. So you're right. That could have been an off the rails moment and he kept it together. I think now that he's got that experience under him, that actually gives him the benefit to, to go out and, and play well for four straight days. Totally. Him in contention would also be really good for the women's game because you have so many eyes on this broadcast. His sister is the reigning U.S. Open champion. So that would be mentioned every five minutes, which would be so good, especially since the U.S. Women's Open is like the closest thing to a men's major by far on the women's side. The purse is competitive. The field, the courses they're going to, I think the Women's Open is going to Pebble Beach this year. So just to shine a huge spotlight on like, you know, people be like, oh, the U.S. Women's Open. Oh, my God, it's at Pebble Beach. Oh, my God, this guy's sister won it. Like, that is so cool. That would be awesome. Good for the women's right, game Nick. and good for driving iron sales. I think that would be uh, <laughs> where everybody's looking to next day. Nick, who's your dark horse? We know it's not Tiger. It's not Tiger. It's also not Keegan Bradley. It is Tony Finau. He's got three Masters top tens. He's only finished outside of the top 20 once in eight starts in 2023. Eight starts, seven top 20s, three Masters top 10s, zero majors, Tony Finau. Look, I'm I'm coming to your house to, to, to spend time with you and your family, so I'm only going to say this, and I'm not going to criticize you for it, that Tony Finau is 22 to 1 and currently the eighth betting favorite to win the Masters. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. It's, it's your it's dark horse. Pick. Not that, it's a risky not that pick. dark of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a risky pick, but it could it could pay off. I like it. I like it. Okay. I'm going to go with um, someone who you wouldn't think of as one of the most dependable people at the Masters. 
He's had six top 25s this season. He and Cam Smith, the only players to have top 10s in the last three Masters tournaments. I think we're due for a random winner. Everyone's like, oh, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler. You know who I like at 80 to 1? Corey Connors. That's right. The sweet hitting Canadian. 80 to 1, Corey Connors. I don't hate it. The guy seems to be in the mix week after week on the tour. And, you know, it's it's not even as far of a stretch as like a Danny Willett situation. I sure. think, you know, he's a good player. If, if, if he gets it together, there's no reason he couldn't you had Schwartzel back in the day yeah Yeah, you had Schwartzel you had Willett we need there's too many thoroughbreds we had Hideki and Scotty and DJ give me a random Corey Connors Nick hates it I I knew Nick would hate this pick I love it I mean it's good (laughs) all right Mike who's your contender (laughs) uh my contender again I I think this would be good for the game good story coming out of full swing coming out of Netflix former Masters winner Jordan Spieth I think uh, he's got the game for Augusta. He obviously had the fabulous crash at Augusta in, uh, I think it was 2018. But uh, I'm ready for Spieth to be back in the mix, hanging around in that top five, top 10 on Sunday and making moves on the back nine. I think he's good, uh, good for the game. I think people like Spieth and, you know, golf's better when Spieth's in, in form and not, you know, struggling to find his putter. I considered it. The thing that's so exciting about a Spieth contention is that it's not going to be boring. It's not going to be fairways, greens, parts. It's going to be hole outs. It's going to yeah. be missed three footers. It's going to be frustration. It's going to be jubilation. Like all, all of that emotion is is part of like Jordan Spieth being in the top eight of the leaderboard. It's it's it is so much different than just like a run of the mill guy who's just like got a hot putter. I love that pick. All right, Nick. I'm picking a guy as a contender. This really could have been my dark horse because he's really kind of having a down year Mm. um, by his standards. However, he does have a couple of major championships uh, to his credit. So I I made him my contender. Colin Morikawa, not a great year so far by his standards, but he did finish fifth at the Masters in 2022. Uh, The man knows how to win majors. He's probably feeling like he's due for a major because he went an entire season without winning one. Um, and, And what happens if, Rom and Scotty stay hot and he's just like this forgotten man who's like got more majors than any active player um, who came up in the last five years. Uh, so Colin Morikawa, that's my contender. Yeah, it's so weird. Like if he would have hung on at the Tournament of Champions, I feel like we all and he would be perceiving himself much different going into this tournament and he'd be one of the favorites. Because in addition to that, I can't remember if it was the Arnold Palmer, but it was one of the elevated events where he came out and shot like 65 in the first round. And the way he looked, it was like he was going to win. I think it was the players, actually, didn't he? I think he shot a 65 in the first round of the players. And it was like, well, this guy's just going to win the tournament by four strokes because he was hitting like three irons to like four feet on par fives and doing Colin Morikawa stuff. And then he just kind of faded away. It would not be surprising at all if Colin Morikawa contended in the Masters and, and, and won it. He's a great player in big events. I love him. I love his golf swing. He's the guy that if I could take anybody's iron swing, it would be his. He's just so smooth and so under control. And I think he's another good personality for the game and fun guy to watch. You know, my question for him is like, he won the PGA championship in like peak, peak COVID, no fans. Um, He won that British open going away without much pressure on him. Mm, You know, can he contend in a pressure packed close situation at Augusta? 
I haven't seen him in that type of situation come through and perform. So I hope he proves me wrong. That is the question is if, you know, he has to make an eight foot putt on the 72nd hole to avoid a playoff with Scotty or Dustin or whatever. Is he, is he going to do that? Or is he a Sergio, you know, Sergio's a front runner is, is Colin just a Sergio? It's the meanest yeah. thing I could. I don't really wow. believe well, that. I don't believe Collins and Sergio. He hit I know. some. Un, he hit some unreal shots in that in that PJ Championship a couple years ago. But he again, did. there were no fans there. Uh, right. It's a different situation, and so I don't know. Again, I love it, but we'll see. My contender. Everyone's pushing the um, the Jason Day resurgence. Everyone really wants this to happen. I want it to happen too. Look. There's a lot of top tens for Jason Day. Hasn't really contended. He's he he's been in the mix. I would posture another former number one in the world as someone to look out for this week. His resurgence is very real. He's won this year at Pebble Beach. Had a nice run at the Players Championship. His record at Augusta is unbelievable. Two runners up, including a loss in a playoff at fifty-five to one. Could he be the third Englishman to win the Masters? Boring as sin, Justin Rose. I do love that. I, I will give you full credit for that, Joe. Um, I hope you put some serious cash down on that um, or at least like hedge it with a top five because those are all really good points. And he, the man knows his way around. He, he is a fundamental, he's like the Tim Duncan, you know, he's just, he's just grabbing rebounds, making those layups and, and you know, playing great defense. Thanks shots. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, well, and to Mike's point, to, to, to your point, Mike, Justin Rose won at Pebble on a Monday. They had a weird Monday finish. It was like at 8 a.m. No one's around. Can he do it with pressure on? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't have stats in front of me, but it feels like Justin Rose is one of these guys that if you were to actually take a snapshot of his entire career, like consistency for a long period of time. He's never been like great, great. You know, he's never been like blow him away. Number one in the world. Great to my knowledge, but the guy shows up and he plays well and he's been there for a long period of time. It seems like this year, the last, whatever, you know, eight, 10 months, he's actually found something too, because he's contending and and occasionally even winning. So that is a pretty good pick. If you had to find some, some long money to place, that's not a bad one to, to spot. I'll, I'll, I'll move on in a second, but I'm looking at his career right now. He has 11 wins, and he had a win every year of the 2010s. Every single year. He had two wins in 2010, and then one year from 2011 to 2019 had the drought end at Pebble Beach. Could be a good long shot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he could like handle the pressure of being paired with a, a, a lunatic like Scotty or Brooks or something like that. Um, okay. Those are the those are the appetizers. Now time for the entrees. Mike Gottfried, CEO of Piper Golf, Pickle. Who is going to win the 2023 Masters? I think it's a popular pick. I think it's a lot of people picking with their heart. I'm picking Max Homa. I think he's ready to break through and win yeah. a major. He has been knocking on the door. He has been winning tournaments. He has been making cuts in majors last year, which was his goal, stated goal on Twitter and other places. Uh, he was knocking on the door at Riviera, and I think he played well, and Rom actually went and, you know, beat him. Um, but Rom, you know, he's had a tough, tough, tough month or so here. Um, I like Homa to get it done and to enter that sort of elite cut of PGA Tour players if he's not already there. Um, the guy's fun. He's funny. He's got personality. He's got 
an awesome golf game. Um, so I'm picking Homa and I hope he gets it done. I love this pick because everyone is eyeballing the U.S. Open because it's at L.A. Country Club. He has all these records at L.A. Country Club. The U.S. Open is for him. But everyone's like for, forgetting about him as a real contender at Augusta, which I find to be so strange. He's probably been the third or fourth best player in the world for the last four months. I, um, I've researched this pick and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to present the counter side to this. I'm going to, I am going to tell you why you're wrong. I am going to respectfully tell you why you're wrong. Max Homa has only made one cut at Augusta national. And that was in 2022. He finished tied for 48. So he basically made the cut and then limped through Saturday and Sunday, beat Tiger Woods and, uh, finished T 48. Um, I I don't think, I, I do think he is, poised to contend in a major i'm yeah. probably on that u.s open bandwagon maybe a british i don't see him breaking through at augusta this year you would really be surprised if max Homa contended in the masters uh i would be i'd be surprised wow. i'd be more surprised if he finished in the top five i could i could see a top 10 uh you know four solid days but i'd be surprised if he's like in the one of the one of the final two groups in and gets it done or, or plays yeah. really well you know, the only counter argument I have to that is, is going, I mean, it hasn't been quite the same in the last, whatever, two, three, four weeks, but he was almost on a Scheffler like trajectory to start this yeah. year when Scotty won it last year. And so momentum in golf is a real thing. When your swing is good, it's good. When you have the confidence, you have the confidence. He just has been hanging around the hoop, knocking on the door. I think he's again, going to get that first major and i don't think it would be the first you know his only major i think he's got the game and uh he's got the the personality to be a star in the game for a long time and for you gamblers out there his number right now he's 25 to 1 and i think a lot of that is probably just due to the fact that he hasn't had a great record in majors but i i guess the only thing i would say is like you don't have a good record in majors until you have a good record until you do yeah yeah all right nick shut us down who's gonna win who's gonna win nick I mean, this is the guy who started the year with a first place, a first place, a seventh place, a third place, a first place. Um, the fact that John Rahm only has one major to his to his resume is a very soon to be outdated number. His his days as a one time major winner are so numbered. He is one of the best players in the world. Clearly, one of the two. They keep him and Scotty keep ping pong in the back. Pickleballing it back and forth, back and forth, so to speak. Um, he's not only one of the best; he's playing the best. I mean, he's he's got all the talent, and he's at the top of his game. He's already won three times. It's only March as we're recording this. That's insane. Rom being a one-time major winner does no longer fit his profile. His profile. I see him getting it done. Mike, do you want to do you want to give him the last month, uh, or should I? Uh, go ahead. You probably have the stats. I have it based on field, but go for it. So, Nick, you where where you stopped was the month of March, which is sure. uh, a, yeah, a three t- wins before March. Yeah, that's a incredible. T- a T thirty nine at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, a withdraw at the Players Championship. He had a sore tummy, and then at the World <laughs> Golf Match Play, he had a T thirty one. So, while I wouldn't be surprised if Rom won by five shots. Um, he's not trending in the right direction, at least in the last three weeks. But you're right. He was the best player in the world by a mile the first two months of the year. Yeah. When he's good, he's he's so good. Um, when he's not, he's not. He just kind of seems to take a week off here and there. But then he has just, you know, blow him away performances. Um, he had that kind of, you know, it, 
had he not had uh, the withdrawal, the, the, the tummy troubles, um, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see on Rom. I think the course, I probably have questions about his game and the setup of Augusta too, which is, you know, just he hits the ball really, really far. And as uh, our boy DeShambo showed us, that's not the only thing it takes to, to conquer Augusta. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, being the best player in the world by far the first two months of the year is a, is a really good thing to have going into the Masters, which is like super, super early in the calendar. I'm not sure um, if you're, you're super aware with that, Joe, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident in this. If like if it was like, you know, going into the PGA or the, the British. Sure. Like, yeah, he, he had a really good first two months of the year. I'd be like, OK, right. yeah, well, a lot's, a lot's happened since then. Like, you know, he he had to withdraw and he had a bad week or, or like an off week where he where he still made the cut and finished the top 30. Um, so not not too concerned about his form. All right. My winner has a new caddy in the bag yielding immediate results. Six runner up finishes and 37 starts, including the last major. You know what this did, dude did at the British Open? He finished runner-up to Cam Smith. It was not Rory McIlroy. He stood on the 72nd hole at St. Andrews, piped it onto the green, and poured in an eagle putt, forcing Cam Smith to make birdie to win that tournament outright. This dude has stones for days. His transition makes Hideki Matsuyama's look quick. Runner-up in the match play at 28-1. to he would be the first person since Danny Willett. It's a Danny Willett themed Masters preview to make the Masters their first PGA Tour win. I'm taking Cam Young. I love what I see. This guy finished top three in two majors last year. One of them was not the Masters, but I really feel like this guy can get hot. He can make a million birdies. The new caddy on the bag I'm excited about. He stole Webb Simpson's caddy. It was actually very amicable. He gave him to him but i love cam young i love the 28 to 1 number i think it really could happen i like the pick uh he you know despite not winning at the british last last year proved to me that he is a player under pressure he is a guy who can handle the eyeballs the cameras the crowds uh and the spotlight uh and that's kind of what augusta is all about i mean you're hearing the roars all over the property and he doesn't seem to be a guy who's phased by that his Driver swing is electric. Um, you know, I don't know that it's the prettiest thing in the world like Rory, but he just smashes the ball and it gets people going. And so he's a momentum play. I like it if uh, if he can kind of get it going early. I could see him just, just taking it the whole way. And again, rising to that ascension of some of the top players. I think that's it. I think he has to get on a roll early. I think if he goes out in 40, we won't hear from him the entire week. So a bit of a, a bit of a high risk, high reward kind of pick, but yeah, momentum. Sorry. It, Nicky, go ahead. No, I love that pick. Did you get that Danny Will stat from me? Cause I was making that up. It no, must, I did. It. Okay. I did. I did confirm it. Danny Willett was the last player to make the masters, their first PGA tour win. Okay. No, that's great. No, great pick. Um, excited to see him. Um, it's just surprising out of nine opportunities to, to pick players, um, you know, we, we punted on Rory, we punted Scotty. on Scotty Scheffler. Um, you know, we, we could look, we could look pretty silly here. I was no live, no live golfers. I feel like I was doing my part by getting John Rahm and Colin Morikawa and Tony Fino in there. I think we all have some really good picks where I, I, we might, we might reconvene on Monday and say, yeah, like, of course, Rory was going to win the Masters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be really silly. But, you know, who wants to take the the obvious, obvious picks? The other thing on the live guys is like, That's me. Outlaw, yeah, 
<laughs> outside of uh, what's well, my lane this year? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, like yeah, Cam Smith hasn't felt pressure since that last round at St Andrews, right? And these guys haven't been tested at the highest level. They've been collecting a paycheck and seems to be, you know, playing an entertaining exhibition with the the flaming aces or whatever you want to call them. So, I, I it seems a stretch obviously not impossible, but it seems a stretch that, that these little guys could come in and just, you know, take the world by storm having kind of sat on the sidelines for what it feels like for the last nine months. I mean, the guy, the player who's had the best season for live in 2023, this is not a joke is Charles Howell. The third, he's the leading money winner and the best player right now on the live tour. The winners are Chuck Howell and Danny Lee. Those are the two winners in the first event so far. So you're right. You have no basis for saying like, all right, well, Cam Smith, was good in majors, but his whole career has been flipped upside down. We have no idea what to make of these guys. Could he contend? Sure. It's just so much of a risk. There's so much unknown with those live players right now. Um, Nick, I think we're going to skip Nick rules today. We don't have time. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Do you have a Nick rules? Can you, can you do it quick? I can do it quick. I will. Do okay. It it's quick. time for Nick rules presented by match. Dick golf. Use turn 20 at checkout. No theme song. Go Nick. All right. The five rules of pickable rule. Number one, no volleying. <laughs> In the kitchen. Rule number two, there must be one bounce per side. You can't just whack it out of midair. Rule number three, you must serve at the baseline. Rule number four, serves cannot land in the non-volley zone, a.k.a. the kitchen. Joe, because I know you didn't know what that was. Rule number five, the game ends at 11, 15, or 21 points. I didn't know any of these rules. Mike knew all of them. Now we all know them, and we can all go out and play pickleball. I love it. Mike, is that right? Is that it? That, is, is that was all right to me. I mean, look, one of the beauty of pickleball, like there aren't that many rules. Uh, are, are you guys questioning game? Nick rules? <laughs> no, I'm no, not. no, no, no. Those are correct. <laughs> Neither is Mike. Neither is Mike. Okay. Before we get you out of here, Mike, you've been so generous with your time and your picks. How could we have the CEO of Piper Golf on and not do Turn 10 brought to you by Piper Golf? Use the promo code TURN10 at checkout for incredible savings at Hats balls merch the alignment line yes my friend shane it is legal my friend my friend shane thought your balls were illegal because the alignment line was like so helpful he's like am i allowed to do this i'm like that's the beauty of piper golf baby shane go check the usga approved list because we're on there baby (laughs) (laughs) all right mike 10 rapid fire questions brought to you by your company are you ready let's do it number one jack or arnold jack Number two, hole-in-one or lowest round ever? Hole-in-one, no question. Number three, best part of being a CEO? Whew. Uh, there's nothing good about this job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be tough because number four is what's the worst part about being a CEO? Oh, everybody wants something all the time. <laughs> number five, what's the most you've ever paid for a round of golf? $400. Number six, what's your favorite club? My 2011 TaylorMade Rocket Balls 3 Hybrid. Oh, yeah. Number Can't seven, what's thing. the most important putt you've ever made? Ooh. Well, might have come about, about two weeks ago. Uh, it was, uh, have you ever played Deal or No Deal? It's basically a scramble, but you have to take the shot as you hit it. So you can't keep hitting the shots. Oh, we had 12 that. guys wow. out late in the afternoon, ninth hole. I was the first guy up for our team. I made about a 45 footer. Let's just say there was a little bit of money on the line. 
and won it for the squad. Winning for the team. That's what it's all about. I love that. Number eight, fade or draw? Draw. If I'm hitting it good, it's drawing. Number nine, are breakfast balls ever okay? Yes. Number 10, last one. How early should someone arrive to the course before their tea time? Arrive one hour early, begin warm up 30 minutes early. I like that. Meticulous. Mike Gottfried, CEO of Piper Golf. Thank you so much for joining us, doing this master's preview with us, being a part of this show. We really love your product. We love you. We love the whole Piper vibe, the family, and uh, hopefully one of these nine people win the masters. I'll be watching. Thanks guys for having me. It's great to talk to you and uh, yeah, let's go home. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.